Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 25, Psalm of David. This is verses 1 through 9. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word which you've given to us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear your word this morning. I would pray that you would help us uh, to listen with ears that are ready to hear. Lord, that you would help us to listen with minds that are, uh, that are not distracted, but attentive to what you are saying. Lord, we pray that you would help us to listen with hearts that are uh, ready to be changed, uh, that are ready to be plowed up where the ground of our heart is hard, God, that we could receive the seed of your word and it would bear much fruit in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 25 of David. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Turning then to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. We finally come to the very, very end of this letter um, by Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends, her, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we continue, <laughs> move that forward and into place there, and out of view. Just hate to block everything. Um, as we continue our sermon series, we have been in the book of John for a while, and in, just to remind you, we have been 
in not only in the book of John, we have been in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples uh, for a while now as he prepares them for his departure. And by that, he means his death on the cross, which is going to happen the very next day. They're still not getting a handle on all that, but uh, this is what he has been preparing them for. Now, he still has more to tell them, and we will get to that in a minute. But before we do, there's kind of a context to this that I think everybody needs to hear uh, going into this passage, really going into any passage, and that is this. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you need to know that God loves you. That is the context of everything, that God loves you. That it does not matter what your age is, It does not matter what your gender is. It does not matter what your ethnicity is. It does not matter uh, what your nationality is. It does not matter what your sexual orientation is. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you have been created by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God loves you. How do I know this? (laughs) I know this because of Jesus. This is the message of Jesus for the world. This is what the incarnation of Jesus is about, is letting everybody know that God loves them. This is what the death on the cross is all about, is that God loves you. That's what the resurrection is about. God loves you. This is the message over and over and over. This is what John writes in 1 John where he says, this is the message. God is love. (laughs) Right? But it's a personal love. It's a love for you. And this is the message that we ought to be proclaiming as the church more than anything else. I think the reason that we often don't have that uh, as the primary thing people hear is because we get this messed up, this idea of what it means for God to love people. And so uh, we end up in a situation where we think, well, but if we tell them that God loves them, then they might think that that means that he likes everything about them or he likes everything that they're doing or every decision that they're making. And we know that's not true, so we need to let them know that first. And I don't think we need to let people know that first. I think that's something that comes along eventually. (laughs) But in fact, it's all tied in with this idea of God loving us and Jesus coming for us. See, here's the thing. I'm a parent. (laughs) I have four children. And I did not have kids and decide I would wait and see how they turned out and what decisions they made before I decided whether or not I was going to love them. I decided I was going to love them before I ever met them. And sometimes they do things that make me really happy. And sometimes they don't. (laughs) But what does not change is my love for them. This is the relationship. This is the reason, I think, that uh, Jesus continually refers to God as Father, is that that sort of relationship, a relationship of a parent to a child who says, I love you before you do anything right or wrong. That said, I also, when my kids are doing things that don't make me happy, (laughs) 
My love for them does not change, but my instruction maybe gets a little more difficult to endure. (laughs) And that's where we are. See, we are all in a position where God has made us and loves us, but we have all done things, and we all continue to do things that are not what he would uh, want us to be doing. And that's why Jesus came, (laughs) because we need a Savior. We need him to come for us. This is the message. Okay, so with that all as context, it helps us in understanding the passage that we have today. Because, uh, and this, by the way, am I just sticking this in there for no reason? No, this is actually the context that Jesus had already given his disciples over the past three years, and specifically even earlier that night when he washed their feet. And then it said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> love one another. But this is what it's all about. And so uh, then we get to this point where he has just told them, uh, and this is what we looked at last week, you're going to go out there and you're going to be living like me and letting people know of this love. And you're going to be loving people the way that I have loved you. And some people are going to receive that, and it's going to be great. But there are other people who are not going to receive that. And just the same way that they have treated me badly, they're going to treat you badly. But keep it up. (laughs) Keep it up. And then he continues. And this is what we have uh, for this morning. This is uh, John 15, verses 26, starting in verse 26, and going through chapter 16, verse 15. It's when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this. So that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. What is the point here? Well, the point is Jesus is talking to his disciples, like I said, and he's preparing them for his departure. He's preparing them for his going away. He mentions that several times through this passage, that he is going away. Now, he's told them earlier that this means he's going to die, but they're not ready to hear that. (laughs) They just know that he's leaving. 
I think that may be part of the I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Um, but the issue is not uh, trying to let them know how hard things are going to be. He has let them know that things are going to be hard. We talked about that last week. Now what he's saying is, the, the, kind of the, the flip side, the encouragement side, when things are really hard, know that you are not alone. In fact, know that the reason that I'm going away is so that then the kingdom has begun in a whole new way and that this is going to be a kingdom that is marked by the Spirit of God with all of his people. And so rather than Jesus being with his 12 disciples and moving from place to place and being kind of locked in time and space that way, instead, he says, I will send the Holy Spirit who will be able to be with all of my people all over the world all at the same time. That this is um, what he's been talking about, who will <laughs> remind you of everything I've said to you, teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. And that this is a gift that he is giving to the church. This is a good thing. It's actually, he says, this is the reason that I'm going away, uh, or why it's good for you that I go away, is so that you can receive this gift. Now, hear this. What is it that the Holy Spirit does in the lives of believers? Look at this. Chapter 15, verse um, 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit, the Spirit of truth, by the way, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about me. This is what the Holy Spirit does. It's what he does for believers, and it's what he does through believers. That's the next verse. Is And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. When you turn over to the book of Acts, and you look at chapter 2, the book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus goes away. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Look at that, just like he said. The Holy Spirit comes, and when the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? Everybody gathers around. All the um, people in Jerusalem hear this loud noise, and they're like, what in the world's going on? They hear people speaking in different languages. What, are they drunk? I don't know. And they all come together, and Peter stands up and says, no. This isn't about people drinking early. This is about what, he's, what God said in the prophet Joel, that he's going to pour out his spirit in the last days and that people are going to prophesy. And then he goes on. And what, does it, what is it that Peter begins to do now that he has the Holy Spirit in his life? It's not what he did when uh, the night Jesus was arrested. The night Jesus was arrested, Peter was still operating as Peter. And the night Jesus was arrested, people said, hey, are you with him? And he's like, absolutely not. No, no, I am not with that guy. Now we have like this kind of crowd and mob forming. And instead of like one servant girl who's like, hey, are you with him? Now we've got this whole mob forming. It's like, oh my goodness, let's get away from these guys. Let's never let them know that we're with him. And instead, Peter is now not just Peter. Now Peter is Peter who is being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? to tell people about Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Now Peter uh, stands up in front of everybody and says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you uh, who he is, that he is Lord and Messiah. That is who Jesus is. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. This is what the Holy Spirit does through us. 
Now, Jesus says that he, um, but not, not everyone's going to receive this. We saw that last week. Not everybody is going to hear this as good news. And in fact, they are going to, um, they're going to hear it as bad news. They will hear it as bad news and they will treat you accordingly as the messenger. Last week, you know, we were talking about uh, that sort of thing. And in the last couple of weeks, we used a glass, which I forgot to bring today. Um, the glass as this idea of um, what is made with a purpose and how when a glass that is cracked and doesn't hold any water is healed and fixed and is then holding water, it's, it's actually more what it was made for than ever. And so we talk about kind of filling it with water and, ah, now it's more glass than ever. And we talked about this with our own lives. Well, this, uh, this same idea, when you think about it this way, when, and you've probably heard this before, when a glass gets spilled or when it gets shaken, that what comes out of it is what it's full of, Right? What comes out of it is what it's full of. Jesus actually put it this way. He said, um, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you want to know what's in your heart, listen to what comes out of you when things take you by surprise, when you are shaken up, when things don't go as you thought they were going to go, and you start getting frustrated in your plans and your will. What's coming out of you? Pay attention. Here's what's fascinating. You flip forward to Acts chapter 7, and you have Stephen. Stephen, one of these early uh, disciples, he is uh, kind of one of the first deacons of the church. And people gather around him and decide to start throwing rocks at him until he dies because he's following Jesus. Because he is empowered by the Spirit to tell people about Jesus. That's what they don't want to hear. And so just like Jesus says, that's how they treat him. And as he's dying, what comes out of him is not just this message about Jesus, but what comes out of him actually looks an awful lot like Jesus. If you turn to Acts chapter 7, which I knew I was going to talk about and I still didn't mark it. Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60, very last verses. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which sounds like Jesus on the cross, Father, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. This is like Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In other words, what came out of Stephen when things got really bad for him wasn't so much Stephen as it was Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. This is um, what Jesus is talking about. He talks about being, being filled with the Holy Spirit that he's going to send to us. When we talk about uh, being a glass, like a glass that's full of water, (laughs) that's all just an illustration of uh, being humans that are filled with the Spirit of God. 
filled with the Spirit of God, and so we become actually more who God created us to be from the beginning. And in this same moment, oh, I just (laughs) went away from that page, but in that same moment, it says that Saul was standing there giving approval of this. This is also what Jesus is talking about. When he says, um, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. That was Saul's story. Saul was not killing Stephen because he knew he was a bad guy. Saul was killing Stephen because he thought he was a good guy. And he thought Stephen was a bad guy who he needed to kill, you know, because he's on God's team. And it's not until he meets Jesus later that, uh, that his life is changed, his whole perspective is changed on that. This next section that Jesus talks about in Acts chapter 16, he says, none of you asked me where I'm going. Rather, you're filled with grief. Says, but it's good that I'm going to the Father. He says, be glad that I'm going away to the Father because my going away, you're grieving this because you think it means I'm not going to be with you anymore. But that's exactly not true. In fact, you're going to be spread out all over the world, and this is the only way that I'm going to be able to be with all of you at the same time. That is what my going away means, is my continual presence with you through the Holy Spirit. And this will be the case until it is clearly seen who is on the side of God and who is not. That's what this is all about when it says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And you go, what a confusing little passage this is. But the basic idea, as best I can tell, is that we don't, as the world, we don't believe in Jesus. We don't follow God. We have our own ideas of what right and wrong are. This all goes back to Adam and Eve at the tree when they say, I know God said, but it looks good to me. I think I'll just take this fruit anyway. Choosing right and wrong for ourselves rather than trusting God and trying to follow him in right and wrong. And so uh, basically the whole story of the world, the whole story of humanity is we all get it wrong, even when we think we're getting it right, because it looks good to us. It seems right in our own eyes. The fruit, it looks desirable. For eating and for gaining wisdom, sure, we'll take it. And Jesus shows up, and by the way he lived showed we are all in the wrong. <laughs> his way is not our way, but it's, his way is the right way. That is how we were made to live, and that's what it looks like to follow God in everything. And so the idea here is that the Spirit will actually be convincing the world of its sin so that they can repent, so that they can turn, just like what happens with Saul, who is later convinced that he had been in the wrong, who completely turns around and changes. And from then on, just like we see with Peter at Pentecost, Paul becomes full of the Holy Spirit and begins to tell everyone about Jesus. We have most of the books of the New Testament because Paul starts telling everyone about Jesus. This is the idea, that the Holy Spirit will do this. But how will he do it? He does it actually in the lives of us. It's as we begin to look more and more like Jesus 
It's when you have someone like uh, Stephen who's being witnessed by someone like Saul who sees how he dies and goes, ooh, thought that was a good thing to do. Maybe now I'm not so sure. I always wonder if it was at that moment that Saul's heart was actually being prepared for his, his meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus later. I don't know. It doesn't say that. But I wonder. Uh, Jesus continues, I have much more to say to you. I know the feeling. I see the clock. It's getting late. My time is short. That's how he felt. <laughs> My time is short. But don't worry, he says, because the Spirit will guide you step by step in following me. And then that last little section, all, it's all the same kind of thing we've been seeing, is Jesus says, everything that I've been saying, everything I've been doing, is what the Father has been doing from the beginning and what he's been saying from the beginning. There is unity between Father and Son. And he says there's unity also in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That uh, basically, the Spirit will lead you in following my way, which is the way of the Father. So his way is my way, which is his way. It's all the same way. <laughs> so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be at work in our lives if we are sticking with him. But that's the idea, that we are those who have been called uh, to stick close to Jesus. We do this through the Holy Spirit, who brings us even into the presence of the Father. And when the, we do this, what comes out of that as we talked about in the children's sermon, is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of thing that starts growing in us. But also what then comes out of us is a message about Jesus that comes out of us in word and in deed. I mentioned at the beginning that God loves you. And I want to remind you again that God loves you, that we know this, uh, especially because of Jesus, and that we can live a life that is actually based on that love for us in Jesus. And when we do that, we do have the Holy Spirit in our life, his presence with us at every moment, whatever we are going through. And yeah, at some points, That'll be really comforting because we need it. We need to be comforted. And yeah, at some points, that'll be really challenging because we need to be challenged. There are things about us all that need to change. It's the reason why we need a Savior. And thank God that not only do we have a Savior, but within the context of such an amazing Love, a love that is not based on our performance, but all on his grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for your amazing grace, your amazing love. Lord, we, uh, we thank you this morning for giving us uh, what we need. Lord, for giving us of your Son, for giving us of your Spirit. Lord, that we would know of your uh, love and your care for us 
and everything. And God, that we actually have the ability to be your representatives. God, we pray that as, uh, as those who have been stamped with your image, we pray that you would help us to not mess that up. We pray that you would help us, uh, by the power of your spirit, to be good ambassadors in this world, or that we really would shine like stars in uh, the dark sky, or that we would be those who point people to you with the things that we say and how we say them, the things that we do, the things that we choose not to do, and how we do them. Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, and lead us, <laughs> debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.